Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilisphere podcast. I'm Adam Blinsky. And I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men communicate and build empathy. Season two of the Veer Vulnerabilisphere podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Standard and Strange, where the clothes and the people are anything but ordinary and the motto is own fewer, better things. All right, Albert, I am super excited about this one here today. We have Eric Olson returning, our first international guest, uh, is coming back and uh, catching up with us and talking all things uh, Movember, Sweden again, <laughs> and uh, you know what's going on with the world today. And uh, I'm just really excited because uh, Eric's been up to a whole lot. We've been following him on Instagram, and it's been really cool seeing uh, his evolution of style and uh, and work there. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we've got some some pretty cool uh, celebrations for today, and uh, just wanted to see what you're up to and how things are going. Well, I am on vacation. Yeah, yeah. I, took, I, I took the week <laughs> off, and we've been uh, semi-quarantined up in the Hudson Valley. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian and I are just not seeing anybody so that we can go and visit our uh, my father-in-law. Who is, so it's just going to be a Thanksgiving of three even though he has a, a very, very large family, but we just cannot leave our, our, our dear dad uh, by himself. So we're going to be, we're, we've been quarantining, so we'll go up and, and visit. So I'm just really psyched to be, to be off uh, this week. It's just a couple of days of vacation. Just, it really refreshes the brain and uh, I'm, I'm really psyched. Today's just home day, coffee, two podcasts taped. And then when this airs, it'll be actually Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. So a little preemptive, happy Thanksgiving to the folks out there. Yes, very happy Thanksgiving. Um, my thanks, extended Thanksgiving uh, as well has been canceled. Um, my my uncle is, uh, he's battling cancer right now and his family is just like, nope, we're not even going to try it. Um, even with the kid in there, they, they, they haven't seen my son pretty much all year. I saw him once this year um, and you know, it's, it's, it's kind of wild thinking that like, all right, we're going to do a Thanksgiving, just, just solo. It's just going to be like a, another day, you know? Um, but, uh, I think that's going to make it even more special to be thankful for, for everything that we have. So has, have you ever cooked a turkey? I have not cooked a turkey. Um, I actually do a different Thanksgiving whenever I host it. Uh, whenever I was living in Los Angeles for a little bit, um, whenever I met Matt, uh, we did the Itali Cali Thanksgiving special. And instead of cooking turkey and all that, we cooked Italian food and it was amazing. I'm sure you'd love it. You're already smiling. <laughs> but yeah, um, man, those were like, we, we keep going back and forth. We're like, why aren't we doing this again? Why don't we just have another Friendsgiving like that? And, um, you know, it was great. There was, you know, n- nothing traditional about it. You know, it's like 60 degrees outside, you know, the sun's, sun's shining and, you know, we're out there, we're having uh, chicken cutlets and garlic knots and we made uh, little tiny like personal pizzas on non bread. Ah, man, those are the days. So shout out to Matt. I love you, man. And uh, I miss our Italicali Thanksgivings. <laughs> okay. That, that's, that's semi-hilarious. I love that. <laughs> no, when you're an Italian, you know, you, that's the one day of the year you don't cook Italian. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not Italian, um, so, <laughs> All right, so I, our I get very, the pass. Our very indulgent guest, let's, let's bring, him, bring in our flanneled friend from yes. Sweden, mm-hmm. looking uh, sporty in his uh, red and black Portuguese flannel. Um, yes, we, we don't really need the full intro, but I do want to mention um, Eric has been supporting the Movember uh, campaign, and so we want to talk and we'll introduce Eric. And uh, Eric, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hey guys, glad to be back. 
It's real fun. It's been uh, almost like, what do we say, nine months since yeah. last time I was on. Yes, mm -hmm. February. It was uh, February, February 2019, and it was uh, February 2020, and it was um, just the beginning before all the shit hit the fan, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so A lot of shit happened. <laughs> it sure did. It yeah, sure nine did. Nine months that felt like two years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're call we're calling it the world's longest weekend. We came up to our normal Friday night to hang at the house, and we it's been nine months, and we haven't gone back. A um, couple of couple of returns, but but um, obviously this has been an exceptionally challenging year for everybody uh, on so many fronts. Some people the challenges have been extremely um, uh, immediate in terms of job issues and money and and uh, family issues of, uh, that go along with that. But obviously, a really uh, extra amount of challenge from the mental health perspective, the isolation that has come along with with this particular uh, uh, disease and and the uh, the whole pandemic mentality now that's just kind of educated us all lifetime um, of so many ways about about who we are and how we interact. Uh, you were doing Movember stuff before the pandemic. Um, but did you kind of tell us a little bit about how you first uh, got involved with Movember and why it feels a little different this year because of the pandemic? Yeah, I've been uh, a supporter of Movember for like six or seven years, I think. Started up just like a small thing uh, among my friends and family then and uh, growing a little bit of mustache because I really, I really like the concept and... Um, I think Movember did one thing really well. They made it visual, uh, like the mustache and the symbol with the pins uh, on your jacket. Uh, it's a, such a good conversation starter. Uh, and it also like, it tells everyone that I care. And uh, yeah, the mustache is, I think it's the best because it's so direct and you see it like, yeah, this guy doesn't usually have a mustache like that. And like me, when it's not that thick and big, and it's like, hmm, that even doesn't even look good. So he's, he's, <laughs> he must really care to put on a, a, an ugly little mustache like that. I'm just going to say flat out, I'm going to contradict you and say, your mustache looks really good. You're doing it a does. good job. No, I'm going to say, no, it's not. for me, I would have to shave the beard part to make a mustache and I would look different. And I'm thinking maybe after we're on the phone, I may, uh, after we're on our call, I may go shave the beard to, and make a proper mustache. But just for the listeners who don't know, it's the, it's Movember. It's November. Uh, the month of November, uh, the M part is the mustache part. Mo I, I yeah. didn't actually know that until, <laughs> you know, like I, I, for some reason it didn't all come together in my brain, but they were founded in 2003. And uh, what I learned was that they don't just talk about mental health awareness for men, but it's really about health issues for men overall. It's kind of like a month where you're reminded, oh, I should do things to check in on my health and, and uh, uh, mental health is part of it. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, um, and also I saw listed high on the, their list was suicide, which is, which is, of course, related to mental health. So that's what Movember is, and obviously this was important to you. You talked to us in a show a year ago uh, about how your, uh, your own uh, confrontation with, with performance anxiety revealed issues that you were contending with, and so that Movember was, was personally important to you. Yeah, uh, it's like you said, they had those three uh, 
the big issues they battle the prostate cancer testicular cancer and the mental illness and of course the suicide is uh, the the most severe effect of the mental illness and uh, yeah sweden is a country with a long uh, history of uh, mental illness and suicides uh, in sweden it's almost 70 percent of all suicides that are male so um, it's a uh, uh, an important issue, I think, yeah, that we, in Sweden, uh, we talked about it last time, we're not that good at, uh, like, really asking each other, how do you feel? That's the, the common phrase when you meet someone in, in, in the US, like, how are you doing? How are you, how are you doing? But it's not uh, that, uh, it's not the same in Sweden. Uh, and it's... Uh, like now in the pandemic when we don't meet up uh, that much it's more important because we can't see on a person that's isolated if he's feeling bad um, so i think it's really important right now to uh, take a moment and think if you might have someone a friend or a family member who uh, might be isolated and lonely and uh, maybe try to give them a call uh, to check in on them and also if they have a history of, of mental illness, like you said, uh, with all this, uh, the pandemic going on uh, and you, uh, your work get affected, like your economy get affected, uh, you have the anxiety of becoming infected with uh, COVID-19, stuff like that, isolation, alcohol abuse, all of the, those uh, variables are in play here and uh, affect the mental health of a, of a person and um yeah it's a it's a November, very it's a very american phrase this phrase uh you know men are the strong silent types they are like an archetype actual american archetype like probably most famously somebody like john wayne you know it was like the guy who just like could could just power through anything they didn't say anything they certainly didn't talk about their feelings is that just a, a very is that also a very swedish thing the strong silent type men uh is that like that look down upon men who talk about about their 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 emotional life yeah it's a, exactly like that the Swedes are strong lumberjacks in flannel shirts who doesn't have feelings, really. We're just uh, meant to power through anything. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's hard, really, to come out and talk about those feelings and show vulnerability. It's, uh, I don't know, I, I can't, uh, but it's the same, I, I, I um, talk to you about that coming out of the closet as a gay person and coming out with mental illness like i have uh health mental health problems uh, it's uh, i think i don't know <laughs> because i'm not gay but it feels like a similar step you have to really battle with you because there's shame connected to both of these that's uh, or have been i think that, that that's a very a very uh, astute observation i think that's very true and it's it's specifically that word stigma the idea of stigma that is attached to revealing certain things about oneself i mean obviously we've had an enormous change uh in america in the world uh in attitudes about about uh lgbtq issues you know gay marriage which you know when i was a kid 
you know, no way you would have ever thought that that was possible in our lifetime has happened. So there's been, there's been tremendous positive uh, growth. At the same time, um, you know, there, there, uh, there is no doubt. There is still stigma. I, you know, still have those moments where I'm talking to a person who doesn't know me well, and they ask me about, you know, they they see my wedding ring and they ask me about my wife, and every once in a while, I'm like, okay, I'm texting some lumberjack dude in northern sweden not you another one and uh and i'm just like they've asked me about my wife do i just go along with it and say oh she's fine or my spouse or do i get vague and when i started my feed three years ago i I, adam was the very first one that i was like okay you know i'm not gonna meet that many gay denim dudes so if i'm gonna hang out with denim dudes because i've taken an interest in this clothing I'm going to have to tell somebody and see how it goes. And Adam, Adam was like, that was like my getting comfortable with sharing the fullness of who I was, was telling Adam. And then it became easier with other people. And of course there are people who they, they go silent on the other end and you don't hear, they don't say anything. And you're like, Oh, I'm really regretting actually that I said something, but now I've gotten much more comfortable at the idea of, well, for the people who, for whatever reason, they have an issue, that's their problem. I really have finally become more comfortable with that. So the, 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 I'm sure there are plenty of kids growing up in a small town across America, in Sweden, um, who are still feeling that, that there's way too much stigma uh, about being gay and that, that that's going to be something that they're going to hide. But, you know, I tell you, the stigma about mental illness is pretty, it is still pretty prevalent. And I yeah. just remember, and it's, it's strange because it, one of five people sometimes during their lifetime suffer from depression. So, so many people have it, but it's hardly talked about at all. And that, that's what I said: the 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 mustache and the pin and the November thing. We should have mustache <laughs> many months during the year, maybe like November, February. Um, April and uh, July. Quarterly Just mustaches. to like remind, yeah, remind us to talk about this. We need to get it in our vocabulary. And it's hard now because we don't meet. And like I said, coming out of the closet, uh, you did that uh, face-to-face with Adam, right? Uh, we did it over Instagram texts, I think. You did it next to that, yeah. But uh, if I would uh, like to come out and talk to someone, tell them that I have mental illness, I would prefer doing it face-to-face and... Yeah, <laughs> we're in a pandemic when we, where we can't meet each other, so it's hard, and it, it, we gotta look out for each other uh, during this time. I, I will just say I was profoundly moved when you know we, you're flipping through your screen and your feeds, and I'm just seeing you in clothes. I'm like, oh, this guy's got great style. Then we start talking and dropping DMs, and you just you know it's like you're. You just are just a regular guy. And I was so moved when you opened up to us when we launched the podcast. Uh, you were so like, okay, I, if I came on the show, I would like to talk about this. And I was just so grateful because it made me realize um, just the, the, the feed, all these feeds of all these guys talking about clothes. There's tons of people like us. There's tons of people who have something, if it's not mental illness is something going on in their life that they want to talk about. And what's, what's really wonderful is that, you know, we, when Adam and I started the, the podcast, 
one of the major reasons we did was in the news at that time was a lot about social isolation being a major negative impact on men's health. I'm sure if, I mean, you see suicide on the list of really serious men's, men's health issues, that social isolation is, is become, uh, uh, scientists have called it an epidemic. Men just as they get older, get further and further away from being connected to people that they actually share. It's already difficult, but then it gets worse. So uh, I'm just curious during this pandemic time, have you been very proactive uh, just saying, hey, I'm going to just get on the phone and call or video uh, chat with people? Are you like going out of your way to make an effort to stay in touch with people? Yeah, I try to stay in touch more like regularly on video chats and stuff. But uh, my way of coping with this pandemic, because I have had blue days when I I feel that little nerve and I'm, I like can almost touch the anxiety. It's that building a feeling in the chest you're like choking up but uh, uh, my way of coping with it is <laughs> I, i've turned this pandemic or this whole year around and said it's a shitty year it's okay to feel blue on what a day or two in a row uh, like you get over it. everybody's feeling shit this year <laughs> so uh, it has been my like uh, motivation also to uh, like see the light in the tunnel of this year. I'm, I'm, I'm so longing for that vac- vaccine to come so we can get above that hump and be be through with it. Um, but that's like a mindset I've been uh, I've been uh, working with a lot. Like it's okay, and that's one of the first steps you also uh, should take when you uh, have like anxiety or uh, depression. Like acknowledge the feeling it's happening it's okay so uh, it, it has been okay for me yeah i mean i what, what i'm hearing you say is like you know you've truly accepted it and saying you know i know this is a part of me um i know i have to deal with this so if i go a day and deal with it that's not going to take me away from you know the rest of my life and something that i've seen from the other side is, I mean, you've been making stuff on your own. I mean, you came out with that tote bag, um, some other leather yeah. goods. So it's like, I'm seeing this total, uh, you know, other thing where it's like, man, Eric is over there just crushing it, man. He is just like making things like he's going out of his, you know, comfort zone and just going for it. So I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but like, I've seen a huge step up um, for you. And it's just like, wow, man, like this is really cool. This is really interesting. And I think a lot of our friends, especially in this community have been doing that too. They're just like, I have all this time on my hands. You know, I, I, I feel like I need to like do something. What can I do? Have you seen like, you know, your kind of uh, craft help you out and kind of like get you through this, um, you know, COVID situation? Yeah, definitely. I was kind of come to that. I've been keeping busy also. That's my second. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> the second thing I've been doing to get out of this. Uh, the, the tote bag was... Um, I have, a, uh, I have like a big nature uh, interest and uh, all the plastic bags, uh, they have been like banned in Sweden. They mm-hmm. cost a uh, dollar <laughs> each, like your regular uh, grocery shopping bag. So um, I felt it was right to do something that, a good looking bag that you could go shopping in and you really want to go shopping with because there's a lot of these cheap uh, like textile bags and yeah 
they probably be last uh, a couple of times, of course, but I don't really want to go shopping with one of those. So I thought, mm, I make something that's really durable. Of course, a little bit more expensive uh, when it comes to leather and like this canvas I'm using. I also use Cordura material that's really durable, oh, yeah. 10 times strong as, uh, as canvas, actually. Uh, and I tried to do something that you can have a long, long time. And also, like, the stuff we like with leather, it gets some patina on it. And uh, so, I, I, yeah, but uh, all, uh, all of my crafting has helped me through this year as well, because I've been doing it a lot, uh, uh, both for, like, personal uh, stuff at home. I do shelves. I do, like, uh, I've done a wine holder. Yesterday, I made some straps for my, uh, what do you call them, curtains, <laughs> so I can uh, have a roll-up curtain. Uh, I do stuff like that all the time just to uh, I, yeah, keep busy with my hands because that takes uh, the focus off uh, this whole situation with the yeah, anxiety and everything. Well, I have the bracelet that you made me um, on today. I'm wearing it today. <laughs> I'm so glad you like it. I have to say, you know, I, I put it on in the morning. I see it and I'm like, I think of Eric. You know, I think of, and now I now after what you've just told me, I'm thinking not just of uh, you in, in, as just the creator, but someone who's taking action, taking action to stay busy with something that's productive and, and healthy and helping other people and bringing joy to other people. So this, I mean, it is amazing, actually, what a beautiful thing it is to, I tell all my friends like who have a creative streak, now is the time. If you want to write something, this is a great time to write. If, this, if you want to build something, great time to build. Uh, take this moment that we have and do something productive with this moment because it doesn't just have to be a year of loss and a year of, of terribleness. And yeah, it sucks. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I'm not here. I didn't get a chance to meet you in person because my, my flight to Sweden was, uh, I couldn't go to Sweden. I, I was supposed to come to Sweden in May and it was a bummer. I couldn't wait. I, some of my best friends are there in Stockholm. So I could focus on like the five trips that got ruined, or I could see that I'm learning new things, um, being in a different situation. So one of the things that you said, um, you and I in our back and forth with our text that really was powerful to me was you're looking at your own children and thinking and wanting them to in some way be spared any of the challenges that you may have faced with, with mental illness issues. And that's really powerful because on the other hand, you just explained to us that this is very, very much a very common experience that every human being is going to face probably in some form. So I'm just curious how is that, that's gotta be something really hard as for any parent, but yeah, in your that's case, one of my biggest fear. Yeah. So could you talk a little, a, a little bit about that? I mean, yeah, because I got these anxiety problems just when I was about 10 years old. And my oldest, she's uh, turning six in May. And uh, I, I can see like subtle stuff when, uh, whenever she's uh, going to start singing. She gets a little bit, mm, she, like, yeah, she doesn't really feel comfortable with it. And uh, yeah, she has like uh, big issues when she doesn't... Uh, uh, when she's gonna try a new thing and she can't do it right away, she get like a bit, yeah, she's holding back and she don't want to go uh, have another try. And it's like those stuff, because I, 
it's my biggest fear that they would get the kind of excited I have that affected my life and affected my performance when I was uh, an athlete and skiing and everything like that. But at the same time, uh, I want to like push them or give them the opportunity to try new stuff all the time because that's how they learn. So it's a fine balance. Like I want to, I want to challenge them or they don't know that I'm challenged them, challenging them, but, uh, make them try new stuff and take them on different places and do uh, like all different stuffs really because um, I think that's a, a fun part of being a parent and seeing a child finding what they're what they like and what they're good at uh, because you can't know that just from like I was good at something and uh, they should probably be good at that too because that's not how it worked that's something I've learned <laughs> I have to imagine, though, that you being right beside her and just being able to say, uh, you know, really honestly, like, uh, you know, you're not alone at all in this. This is very this is part of our life. You're not like going to be the parent who's not going to be able to communicate to the kid in a way that make them feel special support. Because, I mean, that's that's one of the, the gifts, of course, of having having dealt honestly with what you're dealing with is now you have a different take on it. You yeah, can bring- I, I know. I'm informed about this, what you should do when you have a kid that have anxiety. Uh, it's the first thing. You have to acknowledge that they feel this just as you have to do yourself when you're, when you're anxious. Uh, and, uh, of course, for them, it's like they, they want to feel loved in every situation. So you got to tell them straight out every time they feel uncertain, unsure about anything. Like, you can do this. Uh, I, I, of course, want you to succeed, but if you fail, it's okay, and I'm going to love you just the same. That's the thing you should, like, constantly repeat when they feel uncertain about something. Uh, because they, they're, they're so... What do you call it? Oh, I'm losing the words here, but... Um, Impressionable. Impressionable. Yeah, impressionable <laughs> about everything. <laughs> Good. So you really have to let them know the thing that failure is a part of life. Uh, and it's okay just to feel mildly like anxious about things. You don't have to like have a panic attack about it. But if they do that, like then of course there's a means how to, to cope with that and how to support them. But just those words all the time like, it's okay, you can fail. It doesn't matter any to me. Nothing will change. I love you. Oh. And I think that's why I'm so happy about the next kind of generation, like the the toddlers and young ones now, is that they have parents um, that really have brushed up you know, um, a lot of healthy coping me- mechanisms and a lot of healthy empathetic communication. Because I, I don't know about you, Eric, but I... I I didn't really have too much of these conversations growing up with my dad um, or or my mom, you know, especially about, you know, some really, really heavy mental stuff. There's always, yeah, try hard. And if you fail, you know, okay. But there wasn't that like deep connection of knowing of like truly knowing that, that emotion. And that's, that's one thing that I am, you know, actually like when we think about the future and hopeful for is that we're going to have some, some kids coming up that have a lot better, um, you know, mental health resources, as well as coping mechanisms, and as well as support systems. Um, And just conversations like this, just 
absolutely prove that. Um, regardless of what kind of happens in school, um, I mean, you already said like one technique you're doing, but I mean, do you think like at home, like mental health and communication is going to be like a focal point, like in your kind of like fatherhood teaching and in your like marriage and like family teaching? I'm not, I don't think I will like bring it up as um as a topic around the dinner table, if it's not, if I don't see it, it's an issue with someone's sure. kids. Because if it's not there, I don't want to like point finger at it, yeah. at the subject. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more of that, like, I'm always going to be here and I'm always going to love you. I think that will give them the confidence to come to me if they have an issue. Uh, because it's, it's also, of course, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell that I is feeling nervous and anxious about things also, just to normalize it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the wrong technique. I don't know really about that. I, I haven't thought about it that way. It's like bring it up, not now anyway, when she's six. But I'll tell you a story. I when I was um, when I was uh, you know my, my teenage years, uh, there was no doubt. I felt actually in our house, we had a bias against therapy and any kind of help for mental health issues. Uh, it was, I remember the phrase, like, it's your shit. You're supposed to deal with your shit. But, you know, there was nothing, you know, particularly cruel about it, but there's no doubt there was stigma in our household about mental health issues. And my mom, my mom made us a little biased against uh, getting help. And the irony in, in all of this was that we learned after, you know, when I was well into adulthood, I'm talking later in my 20s, that both my brother and my father both had bipolar disorder. And I couldn't imagine the pain and the suffering that had would have been alleviated had there been and, you know, it wasn't just in our family. It was a time in America where you just didn't really talk about, you would not hear an issue about me mental health. You wouldn't go to a movie and see a, you know, remember that movie, Ordinary People? You know, when we were kids, that movie, Ordinary People, was like a big moment because it was about a f dysfunctional family dealing with mental health. Or it was a suicide. There was not a suicide, an accident where one of the two brothers dies in a storm, uh, you know, they're out on a boat and the other surviving son is so racked by guilt that he's very deeply troubled. And, uh, and uh, the movie is about him going and getting therapy. And when we were kids and you saw that young, you know, first of all, you saw divorce. Oh my God. That was like the first like big Mary Tyler Moore, who was like the actress who played the mom was like this American sweetheart. And she was playing, this woman who had closed off emotionally because she had lost her son, and and suddenly she's playing like a a, 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 a woman who's not who's closing her, her who's closed herself off to her husband and to her uh, surviving son, and you're watching all this emotion, and um, that movie when you watch it, you're like, oh my god! If you saw anything in that movie that res remember reminded you a little bit of your own life, that was a that was a an eye opener, a game changer, like. Wow, they've just shown something I've seen. I have seen a, uh, parents having that very hard conversation. I have seen uh, someone not able to deal with uh, with uh, loss. Um, so, I I do believe that the more visibility 
now of this issue, whether it's Movember, whether it's uh, you know, whatever, you know, movie after movie. I mean, I mean, now since that time of that movie, there's been so many more films that have dealt with the subject of, uh, of mental illness. But um, once again, we're dealing with stigma and that really is the bigger, the bigger issue. And um, what you're, what you're saying to your own kid applies to our society as a whole. You're saying, I love you. I'm there. I'm supporting you. We're going to be here for you. And I think that that's what we need to be more aware of as a culture in our, in our communities in our small communities of friends, our bigger communities. Um, this, this understanding that none of us are isolated and all of us have a network of people looking after us. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of what we're trying to do with the podcast, but we need to be active about it the way you're talking to be, not be subtle about it, to just to say over and over again, in case I haven't told you lately, you can't fail in my eyes because I'm your dad and you've got like nonstop love and that's never going to change. And that that's going to be transformative. That is really going to be a transformative experience for your kid. And, and hopefully we can multiply that and be have it be more the norm and less the exception yeah but i understand your question adam like if you want to bring it up uh because if you feel anxious or have depression the first like reaction is to hide it you want to like oh i don't i don't want to be shown as a weak person or uh, at least for me it was like that i, I was so afraid to uh, to show my anxiety and the effect of it i just wanted to like crawl into my uh, little shell and be there all by myself in the dark that was my first reaction so if a if a ki kid or a teenager is uh, feeling anxious it could be hard these days uh, to to spot it and see it uh, so uh, of course you should always like ask that's what i said in the beginning like ask your your family members how they're doing and really like watch them nowadays uh, during this pandemic also because the, the kids nowadays they are so dependent on their daily interactions with their friends that that's what defines them uh, the instagram and everything we talked about the last time it has uh, probably become even more effective of their lives all the social media is affecting them even more now because they can't have those daily interactions i actually talked to, uh, about uh, that with uh, Cathal algeri calgary oh yeah mm -hmm. he had a take on that also what will become after this uh, social media have, have it taken over our lives even more during this pandemic and how has that gotten us how have that made us feel uh, have we become uh, even uh, yeah more isolated after the pandemic or are we gonna <laughs> leave uh, all social media now after the pandemic when we can meet, <laughs> finally meet each other yeah what's gonna happen what do you think guys yeah um social media is just it, it's crazy um you know i have two kind of uh personal opinions on it one is that like whenever instagram and whatever i'm on like goes away I'm not going to hop on the next one just because I'm kind of over it. Um, but two, like, I, I love it for this podcast. I love it to to find out more things. I wouldn't know so much of what I know without social media. So it, it's really a double-edged sword um, when it comes down to it. Is it, you know, there's there's good aspects of it. There's bad aspects of it. And I think it really comes down to, you know, wh what's your relationship with social media? 
if it is, you know, a good relationship where, you know, you can post, you can have fun, you can express yourself in a healthy way. Awesome. You know, if it's something that brings you dread or, you know, causes you anxiety or depression, um, you got to stop because there's some, some other things going on. And I, I don't know what, what the future of social media is. I think about what, what my kid's going to uh, experience with that and how his life is going to be shaped by it. Because I remember it starting happening, you know, my, my late teens, you know, college, you know, I was like the, the you know, the college only Facebook crew um, and then kind of came out from it. Um, and, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, growing up, like it, you didn't have to be this internet person. It was actually more. It was cool because it was more anonymous. Um, with like the AOL Instant Messenger, you could have an anonymous username. Um, so that was kind of cool. And then you'd like chat with your friends and have your little chat groups. Um, and now it's like, hey, this is all public, being a public forum. Um, so I, I don't know that. I, I guess the my answer is, you know, I, I guess I'm just going to kind of wait and see and, and see how it is. As for me. I think I have a healthy relationship with it. I I like some aspects of it. I'm not on it all day. You know, I kind of do my thing and then you know get off. So I don't know, Albert. What do you think about social media coming up after this? Well, I mean, I know for me personally, I'm I'm an Italian dude who loves to hug people. Yes. And this particular <laughs> pandemic is I'm flying really, to New York. Oh yeah. my God! Pa- this pandemic has been my ultimate. <laughs> has been my ultimate night it's my ultimate nightmare that's it's the way that i express myself i mean i literally like that's that's my day is like visiting friends i go in my little routine up here in the hudson valley and i go to the farm and i hug my friends at the farm and then i hug my friends at the orchard and then i hug my friends and it's it's that's what i do so this has been very hard on me uh not having the physical affection i mean i'm coming up on a year anniversary of having brought all the denim my denim hangs friends up to uh my near my house we went to this little co-op we had a a meal made for us by this wonderful chef and we sat in this really really tiny little table really close up shoulder to shoulder all being so close together and and uh that was just the most marvelous day. I mean, it, it gave us such beautiful memories and, and lifted our spirits through the rest of the, through the rest of, of the winter. And it's hard enough because winters, it's darker earlier, but this is a big issue, right? In Sweden, you have really long, dark days for winter and, and winter lasts for a long time. So I'm very sensitive to light as well. So I'm really impacted by that. Being indoors right now because of, of the cold, not being outside, I mean, even when I go outside and I don't hear birds and nature making noise, that kind of gives me a weird vibe as well. But I mean, when this pandemic's over, I know I'm going to be giving people epic hugs. Like, forget it. It'll be like, I'll hug someone and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be about an hour before they're going to get released from that hug. I'm going <laughs> to tell you that. As far as social media, I just keep over and over again reminding people, think of social media. It's like playing a game, you know? 17,000 followers on Instagram is not something that adds actual value. It's monopoly money value. It just, it's only got value if you're playing that game. Uh, and that game is something that matters to you. Uh, it doesn't have actually, actually any value. Uh, you have to be really, really careful. Value, the value that we actually have to focus on is the real connection between two people. And hey, if you want to be very, I got to tell you my own taste, I've kind of drawn away from following people that I don't actually have any connection with, or they don't tell me anything 
about their lives. I mean, I start after a while feeling like they um, there's something so impersonal. I almost start to feel like my almost like my humanity is being taken away when I see material goods being put in a feed, but I never get a chance to see the person's life or face, or they don't tell me what they read. They don't tell me where they're from, what, what impacts their life. After a while, I feel like this is kind of impersonal and kind of me mechanistic, and it's actually depressing me. So I've had to pull back from, uh, that's what I love about both of you guys. I mean, Adam, you're like Mr. Font of Positivity. Every single day now, you're finding an amazing quote and your own spin on the quote. And I'm like, this dude's for real. He's like spending quality time. And Eric, you're like so charming with your posts. I mean, I'm always amazed when someone could be charming like in, in their second language. I mean, it's like, I, I, I'm never sure going <laughs> to be charming in Swedish in my entire life. I'm not going to learn and be comfortable with Swedish ever to the point of being charming in it. And there you are being charming. Um, so yeah, I think social media um, after the pandemic, I think we're going to really appreciate more than more than ever, the value of each other and our friendships. And I, I personally, I get a lot of joy and fun from the interaction that I have. I wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing this podcast without it, but there, there's no doubt we need a reestablishing of the baseline that it's people first. It's people first. Our interest is, and it has to be in people and the rest will follow. If we get, if we keep the people is our first priority. We should get the rest of it right, regardless of the technology or anything else. It's a values thing. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Like you said, Adam, you have to have a healthy relation to it. And it's that's really hard because Instagram, Facebook, and all of these, they have 1,000 AI robots staring directly at you when you're looking at your phone and trying to make you stay online stay in the feed, keep scrolling. Like they adapt the feed with every scroll. Oh, how long did he stay on that picture? Oh, 2.4 seconds, then I'm gonna post another similar picture. And then we keep on doing that forever and ever and ever. And the kids nowadays, they don't know that. That's what I'm a bit worried about. Uh, we have seen uh, uh, a race in the mental issues uh, uh, among the young adults like from 15 to 30 years old because they stay online longer and longer they don't interact they don't feel this connection as you speak about albert uh, and we have like we have to inform them about it because i'm informed but it's even it's hard for me as well to stay offline or to quit Close the Instagram app. That Netflix film, uh, Social Dilemma, you know, just really lays it out, and and yeah, it's it's definitely worth seeing. But I'm I'm curious, Eric. Do you have um, um a sort of a routine in your day? Um, in any way? I mean, obviously you're a, you're a busy dad and you have two young kids. Um, but do you have any kind of personal routine? Is there like a time of the day where you sit? uh you know by yourself and do a little quiet meditation or do is it is it working out do what is your what are your ways that you kind of personally uh, uh you know do you have like a little day-to-day -day routine for maintaining i your wish i health? had <laughs> uh nowadays uh, it's so hectic and one week i'm working from home one week i'm at work uh, 
Yeah, and uh, like, as you say, you have uh, two kids and you have to be home when they are sick. And so I don't really have the luxury of having a routine like that. I should have. But uh, no, not, not really. I do, of course, stuff for me. It's not like I'm all about the kids and the work. And so, but uh, it's uh, the things I do to, that I know that I feel really good about is, like you said, I, I work out. Uh, two to three times a week nothing special nowadays when i'm not a full-time athlete but uh, that gives me real joy i feel the endorphins like like pumping me after a good workout i do really hard workouts also uh, like try to break every sweat i can when i'm, I'm doing the workouts um, so that's a, a good thing and also uh, lately i found coffee late in my life uh, I, I, I drank coffee like when I was 20, but this year uh, when the pandemic hit and I started working from home, I got myself a coffee machine as you, we, you've seen when we shared Albert. Uh, and that has been such a luxury for me, such a small thing to like take those 10 minutes, go and make a cappuccino, even though I can't do those fancy patterns. And I, <laughs> I posted some pictures of my disastrous patterns. But, uh, either way, uh, just to take those uh, 10 minutes. And, and it doesn't matter if the kids are screaming at me, oh, come play that, come do this, that. I just sit with the coffee and say, no, no, I have hot coffee here. It's my time. <laughs> no, no, you can't pull in me now. The coffee's hot. <laughs> and it's such a good thing to, yeah. <laughs> to get them to to uh, to leave me alone for a couple of minutes. <laughs> so I think that's that is my meditation moment. Actually, hot <laughs> coffee. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. We do espresso and chocolate at two at two thirty on the nose. Now I deliver Ooh. three little squares of chocolate and an espresso to Brian mm. all the way upstairs in his workstation, and then I have it myself. That's our little break. That's that a good cool. one. Have like a daily luxury. That's yeah. our little daily luxury. Three mm -hmm. pieces of chocolate or anything else. Like, do <laughs> something you? relaxing. Adam, have you're to pretty have good, right? Adam, you're like a get-out-of-bed yoga and meditation dude, aren't you? Yeah, you know, I, I've been keeping up um, big into meditation. You know us, we, we use the 10% Happier app. Um, also, um, as you can see here, I have my uh, Panera coffee. Um, that's also been added. Um, sometimes I like to uh, just get out and just take a walk. It's like a 10-minute walk to the cafe, probably even less than that if I, if I actually walk there. But I just t take a little stroll um, around like the, the neighborhood. I'll grab like a tea or a coffee. Um, and that's kind of like my like get outside um, and just kind of like start the day. I feel like um, if, if I'm out before I have to do my first thing, I call it the pulse of the day and just kind of see how, um, you know, just, just the world's like living and how I'm kind of fitting in it. Um, and, and that's kind of been a routine for me for a bunch of different things. Um, but work, you know, I have like a little bit of a, a walk to get to work. Um, when I used to work in the mall, um, I would grab a cup of coffee and just walk around, um, a little bit before, but this kind of like morning walk, um, to like get the pulse of the day, uh, really just like sets the tone for me and, um, and really helps out. And, um, I think that above anything else, you know, the meditation is great. I, I've, you know, I've been meditating for, for a long time now. And, um, I've, I've kind of like, okay, there's like the traditional practice, of like sitting down, making the time and like doing it, um, to kind of like understand what meditation is like. And I don't really feel like I have to, you know, always just sit down and make it su such like a proper performance. It's, you know, I can just, you know, take five minutes wherever I need to be and just apply it. 
um, which is really nice because I feel like my meditation is evolving um, a little bit. But really, like my my kind of go to is just that that little walk to kind of see outside, like see a person, like see the cars, <laughs> and see what's going on. Yeah, when we have uh, when we have really branded our podcast and we're have sponsors throwing <laughs> things at us, we're going to make the Adam uh, morning walking shoes. We're going to call them <laughs> by your pulse of the day walking shoes. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, like it. I'm sure you could design them. I, maybe even Eric could help you sketch them out, and maybe oh, even yeah. make a couple of pairs. <laughs> um, <laughs> create an app, print a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Dope kids. <laughs> So I want to, I want to, um, I want to go uh, back to Movember uh, because we are going to try to uh, Adam. I will just thank you uh, and be grateful on this Thanksgiving week for uh, first of all, this is our one our one year anniversary, our first anniversary is, of our yes. of when we posted the first one. I think it was like November eighteenth or something like that, November twentieth. So it's an it's a year for us. Uh, I just want to, I'm very grateful and thankful to you because you do the, the technical work and you get these things posted. When I, when I wake up Wednesday morning and I'm, I'm on Spotify, it's because <laughs> of you. And I feel pretty damn important and wonderful because of you, Adam. So thank you. But I want to go back to November because you're going to try to get this up on, on Wednesday, which is mm-hmm. the day before Thanksgiving. That leaves us with a couple more days to the month of November. So I am just going to do a shout out to all of our listeners and please ask them to visit dressed up denim dude feed and support his Movember campaign. Um, I, it's important. And, you know, we just, we just want to thank Eric for sharing so openly and so beautifully his experience. Cause I think I know it's helped some people cause I've gotten mail actually Eric from some people who listened to your episode and specifically said that that episode was like what got them hooked on the podcast. Actually, they realized, wow, like, there are other guys going through some of this stuff. So we have to, we're really grateful to you. So please go and support uh, Eric's Movember page while it's still November and then stay involved and engage with this, with this issue. I think Eric, you're right that this is something that we should be aware of full time all, all year long. Yeah. The campaign is called Denim Deuce for Movember and any contribution is of course appreciated, but it's not that much about the contribution to the, to the Movember like foundation they do a lot of important stuff of course the research about cancer and everything but uh, i think yeah the one thing you really should do is as i said before look around yourself Uh, do you have anyone friend or family who might be suffering during this time put take a phone call or a video chat with them just to check in that is the most important thing you can do during this time Absolutely. I, I'm just thankful for, for these conversations. I'm thankful for, for you, Albert. I mean, you make this happen. You make all this uh, come together. And Eric, the message, I think we should just end on that because that, that's the, the truth is if you see something, say something. You know, if you see something um, going on with a friend, family member, stranger, just reach out. Sometimes a hug, pat on the back, you know, when, when it's not social distancing uh, can, really, uh, can really go a long way. Um, and, and, you know, this is something that we're going to stand up for, for a long time. So this has been another episode of the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Blinsky. I'm Albert Imperato. And I'm Eric Olson. Thank you for listening. <laughs>